The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Happy second hour to everybody. 5.01, your start time here on a Tuesday, November 19th. Enjoy this beautiful weather while you get it. By the uh, start of next week, it's gone, as it's supposed to be dumping full of that white stuff that I really, really hate. Winter's upon us. Well, at least it's going to be upon us here sooner than later. I miss summer. Hey, an incredible first hour. Again, a big thanks to all those who called in and all those who listened, to however and wherever you're listening from. Uh, we, we talked about the Aggie fan base, and, and I am appreciative of what the Aggie, Aggie fan base has always done. Um... But at the same time, I also question the loyalty because I feel like a number 15th team in the country should receive a sellout. I feel like last year's football team should receive a sellout and never got one, ever. No matter the weather, time, or the opponent, they just never got a sellout. So the question was, is it the Aggie fan base or is it the way things are set up for the Aggie fan base? And, and, and Eric sent out a tweet. I'm going to read that tweet here. Uh, his tweet said, Fan attendance has become an issue again. An honest-to-goodness question. He's being sincere. If you haven't been attending USU basketball or football games and you live within driving distance of Logan, why don't you come to the game? It's, it's absolutely fair. Uh, one uh, individual says, I'm technically within driving distance, but two hours each way plus two and a half hours game time with kids on a school night compared to watching my 80-inch television at home. Fair. Uh... Travis Thurston says, would love to go to more games, but tickets for a family of six plus parking adds up. That is the one comment we have received the most. By callers or by Twitter, it is the price of admission into a game with a family of six or four or five, and then parking as well. Now, uh, as Link called in, he says that there are ticket packages available. You'll need to go uh, maybe call the ticket office, right? Or go to the ticket office and ask them what deals they have. I know the ticketing tries to put together things so that people can uh, attend these games at a reasonably affordable price to be able to see the 15th ranked team in the country and go see a very good football team. Uh, looking at other comments here. And again, uh, one said that uh, you know on the east side, it, there's not really a lot of places for people to be able to, to get warm on a cold night. That is, I can understand that, but at the same time, I think everybody needs to be dressing warm as well. Um, and they said that it's there's plenty of places to get warm on the west side. I'm not sure what they're talking about. I know there's like that upper club level suite area. So I don't know if that's what they're referring to, to be quite honest with you. But yeah, uh And then another individual said, moving, visiting fans and bands over to the southeast section, so they are in the middle of the east side. Everyone has to see and hear them there. Uh, I'm not sure what. So, moving, visiting fans. I'm going to try and do this in my math in my head. And bands over to the southeast side or section. Oh, I get what they're saying. Okay, so they are in the middle of the east side. Everyone has to see him and hear him there. Okay, I understand what they're saying. Well, it, it honestly, it could be worse. Could be a lot worse. 
All right. Uh, full court press here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, as you heard in the top of the hour update, the college football playoff rankings will be released today. Now, none of the top four teams lost. Excuse me, top five teams. Excuse me, top six teams. Excuse me, top seven teams lost. So where do those rankings stand now? LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, and Alabama all won. Oregon, Utah as well. That's one through seven. Is there any budging? I would say no. I don't think you're going to see anything change at all. I, I, I just, I, I don't see it. I don't see it changing. And again, the, it stands as LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Alabama. That's one through five. Pac-12 sitting on the outside looking in with Utah. Or excuse me, with Oregon and Utah. Minnesota lost. They were the eighth team. They lost. How far did they drop out? Penn State gets Ohio State, I believe, at home in two weeks. That's going to be a huge one. Because if Ohio State loses, I don't think it's enough for Penn State to be able to get in. Still. As tough as that is that you beat the number two team in the country, with everything that's in front of them, I don't know if they get in. We'll give you the update. Uh, as soon as we can. In fact, they're actually coming out right now. So let's go through the list. Shall we? All right, at 21 in the college football playoff ranking, here it is. Oklahoma State. Actually, I'm going the wrong way. We'll go with 25 to 21. There we go. Sorry, that just I read that tweet wrong. Here we go. Number 25 is SMU. Number 24 in the college football playoff ranking, Appalachian State. Number 23, USC. Number 22, Iowa State. Number 21, Oklahoma State. SMU, Appalachian State, USC, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State. That is 25 through 21. And in last week, when I look at it, Appalachian State actually moved up a couple of spots. Uh, They were at 25, so they moved up one spot. SMU is making their debut. USC is also in there in their debut. Iowa State and Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State was 22. They've moved up. And Iowa State's also making is uh, making their debut in the college football playoff ranking. So SMU, Appalachian State, Southern California, USC, Iowa State, and Oklahoma State, that's 25 through 21. Here is 20 through 16. Boise State at 20. 19 is Cincinnati. 18 is Memphis. 17, Iowa. 16, Notre Dame. So Notre Dame doesn't move any spots. Memphis doesn't move anything. Boise State moves up one spot. Cincinnati, who is at 17, now is at 19. Again, 20 through 16 is Boise State, Cincinnati, Memphis, Iowa, and Notre Dame. That is 20 through 16. So Boise State moves up only one spot. Uh, Cincinnati drops two. Memphis stays still, as does Notre Dame. Uh, 
And Iowa, who's in at 17th, they were at 20, so they moved up three spots. Eleven through, excuse me, fifteen through eleven, as has been announced just re, just moments ago, in the college football playoff. Number fifteen, Auburn. Number fourteen, Baylor. Number thirteen, Michigan. Number twelve, Wisconsin. Number eleven, Florida. I'll say it one more time. 15 through 11 goes like this. Number 15 is Auburn. I got to say, all right, right, Auburn. Number 14 is Baylor. 13, Michigan. 12, Wisconsin. 11, Florida. So we look at the uh, look at the scale from last week to this week, right? Uh, Auburn was at 12th. They now stand at 15th. They dropped three spots. Uh, they lost to Georgia 21-14 last week. Baylor, who was at 14, and then lost Oklahoma by three. They only dropped one spot from 13th to 14th after a three-point loss to Oklahoma. Michigan sits at 13th. Last week, they were 15th. Number 12, Wisconsin dropped, or excuse me, moved up two spots. Uh, They beat Nebraska 37-21. And the Florida Gators, who were at 11th and beat Missouri 23-6. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at that wrong. Beat Vanderbilt 56 nothing. so let me redo that. That's my bad. I, Yep, I read that wrong, I believe. Let me make sure I'm not going crazy here. Yeah, I'm right. Just kidding, I'm right. Uh, they beat Michigan 44-10. Michigan State did. Uh, Michigan beat Michigan State 44-10. So Michigan, who is at uh, 14, 15, excuse me, beats Michigan State 44-10, moved up to the 13th. Wisconsin and then Florida. Wisconsin uh, over Nebraska 37-21, and Florida over Missouri 23-6. Sorry, I was looking at the previous week, so I got confused there for a little bit. That is 15 through 11. Let's give you 10 through 7 now, the college football playoff ranking. So, again, your top from 25 to 10 is like this. SMU at 25, Appalachian State at 24, USC at 23, number 22 is Ohio or Iowa State, 21 is Oklahoma State. At 20 is Boise State, 19 Cincinnati, 18 Memphis, 17th Iowa, 16th Notre Dame, 15th Auburn, 14th Baylor, 13th Michigan, 12th. 12th is Wisconsin, and at 11 is Florida. Here is your 10th through 7 teams. 10th through 7th, and one of them is going to upset you greatly. Number 10, Minnesota. Minnesota was at the hands of that uh, loss to Iowa, 23-19. They were, uh, they were 9th. Excuse me, they were 8th, and they dropped to 10th. They only dropped two spots. Oklahoma stands at the ninth spot. Oklahoma uh, winners over Baylor 34-31 in that comeback win. They were down 28-3 and rallied back fiercely to uh, to pull off uh, the win over Baylor, previously undefeated Baylor. They stand at ninth. Penn State 
Last week, they were at ninth. This week, they are at eighth. After uh, a big win over Indiana, 34-27, they move up one spot. Number seventh, Utah Utes. Utah uh, dominated UCLA from the get-go, 49-3. And they now have a pretty comfortable regular season ending as they get Arizona and Colorado at Arizona this week at 8 o'clock. And then Colorado to finish off the season. So your 10 through 7 is number 10, Minnesota, number 9th, Oklahoma, 8, Penn State, and 7th, Utah. Boy, I think we know what, what 7 and 6 and 5 and 4 and 3 and 2 are all going to look like, right? Should we take a break? Let's do it. We'll take a break and we'll come back with your seven, six, five, four, three, two, and one teams in the college football rankings. So, Ajay Salson here on the Full Court Press, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Yeah. Ajay Salas here on the Full Court Press, 5-17 your time. On a Tuesday evening, it's the college football playoff rankings. They've been released. We have 7-1 through one that has now been announced. Boise State's at 20. They move up one spot before their big showdown with Utah State here at Maverick Stadium, 8-30 at night. Don't forget you can get your pregame here, 6-30 p.m. on our sister station, KVNU. Al Lewis, Craig Kessler, Brian Bohm, Eric Franson will break it all down for you before the game and we'll be here after the game, win or lose. Uh, you'll be able to call in with your thoughts and share your, hopefully, positive opinions on a Utah State football win. Um, Aggies, uh, after, I mean, two gut-check wins, one of them over Fresno State, thanks to Dominic Eberle, and the one over Wyoming, thanks to Dominic Eberle, who again was great, and to Eric Munoz, who, by the way, a uh, really, really cool thing the other day. Uh, Eric Munoz uh, of Utah State, a kid who had not had made his first start, right? His first start uh, with with the Utah State Aggies, and in return, he thanks him with two interceptions and thirteen tackles, seven of them solo. So come Monday afternoon, while the team's gathered and Coach Anderson's talking to him, this comes up. Mountain West Defense Player of the Week, obviously well-deserved as he goes through it, okay? Remember, it wasn't that way 14, 15 days ago. Got us in a position that game we had to win, we needed. He made special plays in that scenario. Next play. Okay? Obviously, like I said, walk on linebackers. You know what happens next? That.
Munoz is no longer a walk-on. He has received a scholarship. Eric Munoz, who's a 3.2 GPA, has, is, uh, is majoring in exercise science and is a white side scholar and now is a scholarship athlete for the Utah State Aggies. What a remarkable story. What a remarkable weekend for the young man. Didn't start. In fact, I remember last week in the presser, Coach Anderson talking about, you know, we're going to have some kids. We're going we're gonna to have to fill in some spots. You know, we have some new guys we're going to play. And he said he was excited to see them. And he mentioned Eric by name. Nobody knew who he was talking about. Nobody had an inkling or a clue. Eric Munoz? Oh, okay, let's see what Eric Munoz can do. 13 tackles, 7 solos, 6 assisted, 2 picks, including 1 to seal the game. And then on Monday, he's awarded a scholarship. Just one of the cooler sister, uh, sorry, one of the cooler stories that we could imagine. It's just, it's remarkable. It's it's so neat. Congratulations to Eric Whittle. Again, a phenomenal weekend for that young man. He, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure his family is thrilled as they should be. All right, seven through one of the college football playoff rankings have been released. Let me recap the quick uh, the other eighteen that have been announced. At number twenty five, SMU, twenty four, Appalachian State, twenty three, USC, twenty two, Iowa State, twenty one, Oklahoma State. 20 is Boise State, 19 Cincinnati, 18 Memphis, 17 Iowa, 16 Notre Dame, 15 Auburn, 14 Baylor, 13 Michigan, 12 Wisconsin, 11 Florida, 10 Minnesota, 9 Oklahoma, 8 Penn State, 7 is Utah. I think we can all predict what's going to happen from here. At number 6 in the college football playoff ranking, Oregon. At number five, Alabama. At number four, Georgia. At number three, Clemson. At number two, Ohio State. And at number one, LSU. So seven through one does not change from the previous week, nor really should it. LSU beat Ole Miss 58-37. Ohio State over Rutgers 56-21. Clemson demolishes Wake Forest 52-3. Georgia beats Auburn 21-14. Alabama over Mississippi State 38-7. Oregon over Arizona 34-6. And as I've already mentioned earlier, Utah over UCLA 49-3. So next week, do we have a chance of maybe seeing a couple teams bounce in and out? Yes, here's why. Boise State again, 21st, will play Utah State at Mavericks Stadium at 8.30 p.m. Penn State is at Ohio State at the Horseshoe. If Penn State beats Ohio State, how far does Ohio State drop? Does it push anybody back where they only drop maybe three spots? If Ohio State beats Penn State, they're staring at the Big Ten title, awaiting for somebody to try to knock them off there, and if not, they're in the 14 playoff. Alabama's got a tough one. They are home against Western Carolina. We wish you the best, Western Carolina. And Alabama. Number eight, Minnesota. Well, was number eight. Uh, They get Northwestern. Other than that, that's about it. Oregon's at Arizona State. But if you're a Utes fan, you need Oregon to win out. You want to see an, uh, 
You want to see a one-loss team, that one loss being Auburn, a one-loss Oregon squad, you want to see them in the Pac-12 championship. And then, of course, at 8 o'clock, you've got Utah heading to Arizona to take on the Wildcats. And then the final week, we all know what's coming there. Uh, Texas Tech in Texas. Uh, Boise State's at Colorado State, who let one go to Air Force. Oklahoma State's at Oklahoma, or excuse me, Oklahoma is at Oklahoma State. Looking for, and then of course, number two, Ohio State at Michigan. I don't know if Michigan's going to put up much of a fight though. Number five, Alabama is of course at number twelve, Auburn. Now here's the other thing: if Alabama loses to Auburn, they're out. They they are out of it. If Alabama wins and LSU wins out and they got Texas A&M in that final week, if LSU wins and beats, wins outright, gets to the SEC championship, Alabama's not in it. They're not in the SEC championship. So do you count them, assuming that Ohio State loses, do you move Bama up? If Utah wins the Pac-12 championship or if Oregon wins the Pac-12 championship or if Penn State wins the Big Ten title game. Do you say that Alabama is still one of the definitive four best teams in college football? They're not a division champ, or they're not a conference championship. Why are they in there? That, that's what doesn't make sense to me. Is And remember, no Tua for the rest of the season when they go to Auburn. But you can't have a non-conference champion in the playoff. Can't do it. By the way, looking at Boise State really quickly, a tweet just came out from Phil Steele. Uh, he says, Better Boise State will play for the division title at Utah State. Star defensive end Curtis Weaver, injured last week and is questionable. Safety DeAndre Pierce, out for the rest of the regular season. Two offensive linemen injured last week. Both are questionable. Top two QBs missed New Mexico game. They had their third stringer in there. He goes and wins Mount West Conference Offensive Player of the Week. Go figure. That's going to be a dandy as well. The group of five New Year's Six Bowl, by the way, is, isn't happening for the Mount West. No way. Absolutely no way. Memphis, SMU... Appalachian State's going to get in there before Boise State or Utah State does. Especially, especially if Boise State loses to Utah State. Both teams won't get in. Uh, Utah State doesn't have a shot, neither, neither will Boise State if they lose. Which, by the way, I know I've got a lot of questions on this. That would create a three-way tie. So the question then becomes, uh, how does the tie get broken? And it's and it's like an overall. I mean, it's just it's not even clear. There's like win percentages that are involved, but none of those tiebreakers, if I can be completely clear and honest with you, favor Utah State. None. They don't favor Utah State. They need the Aggies need to win out 
and hope that Air Force slips up to either New Mexico, which ain't happening, or Wyoming at home on November 30th. Air Force gets Wyoming at home on November 30th. So you need Wyoming to come through. Now, Colorado State had Air Force on the ropes and then slipped and fell, and Air Force broke loose, and that thing was over. 31-20 was your final. Mike Bobo not, might not have a job after this. By the way, neither will Bob Davey of New Mexico. He's gone as well. But again, that's, you know, that's, this, this tiebreaker thing is, is a mess. But again, that's about as clear as I can make it that if there is a tiebreaker, it doesn't favor Utah State. It favors Boise State and it favors uh, Air Force. Now, crazier things have happened. And I'd love to see Air Force slip to Wyoming. Would love to see it. So, on November 30th, we are all Wyoming Cowboy fans, whether you like them or not. Deal with it. You are a Wyoming Cowboy fan for all of us. So, there's your top uh, top teams. Again, here you go. Number 25, SMU. Number 24, Appalachian State. 23, USC. 22, Iowa State. 21 is Oklahoma State. Number 20 is Boise State. 19, Cincinnati, 18, Memphis, 17, Iowa, 16, Notre Dame, 15, Auburn, 14, Baylor, 13, Michigan, 12, Wisconsin, 11, Florida, and then 10 through 5 is Minnesota, Oklahoma, Penn State, Utah's at 7th, Oregon at 6th. At 5th is Alabama, 4, Georgia, 3, Clemson, 2, Ohio State, 1, LSU. Ohio State again, travel, or excuse me, host the Penn State Nittany Lions uh, at the Horseshoe uh, this Saturday morning. By the way, that's another thing I don't get. This cave, this bugs me. Like, I've heard fans talk about the game time and all that. A big game in Ohio State is at noon, really. It's 10 o'clock our time, right? But noon in Ohio State. Why is Utah State and Boise State at 8.30 p.m.? Why? That bugs me. Why can't we have them as a 5.30? In fact, you know what? Hold on. I'm going to do something here. We're going to check out what the rest of the Mountain West Conference schedule looks like and figure out why. Oh, by the way, Penn State and Ohio State is this week, and that's a 10 a.m. game. Um, I don't know if I said that wrong, so I'm just rephrasing myself there. But I here's game times, right? 12 o'clock is Air Force at New Mexico. 2 o'clock is San Jose State at UNLV. 8.30 is Nevada at Fresno State. 9 o'clock is, of course, San Diego State at Hawaii. That's different. Colorado State-Wyoming is a 7.30 game. Why is Boise State and Utah State a big, big game like that? Two teams fighting for a chance in the Mountain West Division champion, or excuse me, Mountain Division champion, and they're an 8.30 at night game. Where it's ten thirty on the eastern on the east coast, where they nobody really wants to stay up that late. Utah State, Boise State. That should be a five o'clock game, six o'clock game, heck, twelve o'clock game. No way they should be playing that at eight thirty at night, but nonetheless, they will. Boise State nine and one overall in the year, uh, five and oh, excuse me six and zero oh in Mountain West. 
it's a good football team. It really is. I mean, when you have your third-string quarterback go in there and be as productive as he was, and win Mountain West Conference Offensive Player of the Week, that's incredible. That's that's incredible. Uh, we'll have your in the know on Wednesday and uh, tomorrow. And by the way, BJ Rains will be joining us. BJ, uh, really good dude. He's a beat writer for the Idaho Press, editor for Blue Turf Sports, and he's also an AT. A- this is interesting. AP Top Twenty Five Hoops voter. So we'll actually be able to get his opinion on the Utah State Aggies and what he thinks. Utah State, Boise State, 8.30 at night on Saturday evening. We'd love to see you guys there, as many as people as can make it. I know um, you know, it's, it's going to be late. It's going to be cold, too, obviously. But we'd love to see a, a good crowd because you know Boise's going to travel well. Boise always travels well to Utah State. They have orange just sprinkled everywhere. And, of course, that corner sliver of the end zone, right? Orange and that Boise State blue. We'd love to see us outnumber them by a lot. This team deserves your support. This is a big game at Maverick Stadium, and you have a chance to be a part of it. Go do it. Find a way to get there. If someone isn't going, take their tickets. Go. Find a way, any way you can get there uh, to go see Boise State and Utah State on Saturday night at 8.30. Again, your pregame is at 6.30 on KVNU. Al Lewis, Craig Hislop, Eric France, and Ryan Bohm, and they'll be there for postgame after to give their thoughts uh, on what we hope, we really hope, is to be a Boise State football win. Other Mountain West Conference games, I've already mentioned them. Air Force will be uh, at New Mexico. That's a 12 o'clock start. Pray for New Mexico to win somehow. San Jose State, scrappy San Jose State team will be at UNLV. UNLV is 2-8 on the season. They have yet to win a Mountain West game. San Jose State's 1-5 in the Mountain West. or 4-6 overall. Nevada, 6-4. 3-3 in the Mountain West will be at Fresno State, who's 4-6 and 2-4 and and in the Mountain West. San Diego State to cap off the night will be at Hawaii. San Jose State's eight and two in overall, five and two in the Mountain West. Hawaii seven and four, four and three in the Mountain West. And that's another thing, you know, when you look at this, um, there's a chance that still that San Jose State could get bull eligible. Uh, and then you add that with Air Force who has eight wins, Nevada who has six, San Diego State who has eight, Hawaii who has seven, Wyoming who has six, Boise State has nine, and Utah State has six. It's a pretty crowded, uh, pretty crowded bowl crew for the Mountain West tie-ins. So you, you imagine that someone else is going to get uh, moved up to another bowl that were a Power Five uh, conference could not feel their obligation for that bowl, so they'll snatch somebody from the Mountain West conference to go do that. And we won't have any inclination, by the way, of what bowls will look like, none at all, in any way, shape, or form. We will not have uh, a single idea. I know they do their bowl projections, but still nobody freaking knows. <laughs> Not even close. Nobody knows. All right, we'll take a break. Uh, come back. Utah Jazz. In fact, you know what? We haven't even talked Utah State, bas- Utah State basketball at all. Well, I mean, we have, but we haven't. So we need to talk to Utah State basketball. We still need to talk about the Utah Jazz and their disastrous, disastrous basketball team that needs fixing in one particular area. And we'll get into that area a, uh, later on in this hour here, 5.35, your time right now, you're on the full court press. Uh, Utah State, 82-50 winners over UTSA. They go to 5-0. and They're now ranked 15th and 16th, respectively, in the AP and coaches poll. 
you know, this is interesting. This Utah State team wanted to be physical, right? And this was a very physical game last night. Really physical. You saw bodies hitting the floor, a little bit of talk going back and forth. Uh, the intensity was there. Uh, and I just felt like Utah State did a great job of handling their composure when they needed to most. Uh, Justin Bean was really good. He was a uh, 4 of 8 from the field. He had uh, 9 points, 11 boards, 5 assists, and 1 block. Kuba had career highs in minutes played at 23 points, which was 8. Uh, rebounds, which was 10. And assists, which was 2. So Kuba filling up the stat sheet. Sam Merrill, in 31 minutes, had 21 points. He was 7 to 15 from the field. He was 5 and 9 from deep. And had three rebounds. Abel Porter in 28 minutes was two of five from the field. Six points. He had three assists. He also had three turnovers. Two of them were really bad turnovers. Uh, he had two rebounds. Brock Miller, 4-15 from the field. 2-11 from deep. In 27 minutes, he had ten points. Five boards. And one assist. Uh, Diogo Brito was really good. Diogo had 17 points in 22 minutes. Uh, seven boards, two assists. In fact, he had two great plays. Uh, he was one that he was a beneficiary of, and the other one he created himself. Uh, the putback dunk on a missed three from Alfonso Anderson on the on the right wing that he jumped up and, and put down with the right hand. And then there was a rebound uh, from Justin Bean, an offensive rebound. He went midair, finds Bean, uh, not Bean, but Brito standing underneath the hoop, and gets it to him, and then uh, uh, Brito lays it in. Gorgeous play. In fact, you know what? Bean had, okay, yet 11 rebounds, eight of them offensive. That turn, because UTSA was hanging in there, right? I mean, it'd be 14, they'd go down to 10. It'd be 13, it would go to 9. Like, Utah State could not put UTSA away for the longest time. The, the offensive rebounding by Justin Bean, who went nuts, was so big. I don't know how many second chance points he had. I don't even know if it says. Oh, it does. Utah State had 38 second chance points. The Roadrunners had eight. Bean, I said, what he were assisted or scored on the second half, uh, second chance points. Of the 38, he had to have had 12. Assisted or scored on? Those second chance points. That's incredible. 38 second chance points by the Aggies. Alfonso Anderson, 3-7 from the field. He had, in 25 minutes, had 17 points. Seven boards. One assist. No, sorry. I read that wrong. My bad. Sorry. He was 3-7 from the field. Seven points in 22 minutes. He had 11 rebounds and he had seven points. Great night from Alfonso Anderson. Uh, Roche Group fam, Clay Stahl did not see the court. Trevin Doris was one of three from the field in four minutes. So, again, 82-50 winners over the, Utah, uh, over the uh, UTSA Roadrunners. They now head to Jamaica to face LSU on Friday, North Texas on Sunday, St. Mary's next Friday. Um... And they get a small break. They won't be home until December 7th against Fresno State. Then have another game on December 10th against uh, St. Catherine. 
as a filling game for the Jamaica Mike the Jersey Mike's Jamaican Classic, which Jamaica, by the way, did not fulfill their duty in getting to home games. So the Aggies had to go scrap to do that on their own. And they did. It's uh, St. Catherine on the 10th, and on 28th, it's Evergreen. Eric Franson's back in the house. Hi, Eric. Oh, hi, RJ. How are you? I'm great. Hey, I was looking at these top 25 rankings in the college football playoff. Let's just go through the top 10. Minnesota, 10. Oklahoma, 9. 8, Penn State. 7, Utah. 6, Oregon. 5, Bama. 4, Georgia. 3, Clemson. Two Ohio State, one LSU. One through seven, don't move. Penn State jumps up to eight. If they beat Ohio State this Saturday at the Horseshoe, 10 a.m., do they jump above Utah and Oregon? Oregon's at Arizona State. Utah is at Arizona. Yes. Do they jump above Bama, who's got Western Carolina? Um. Y- yes. I was gonna lose my mind if you said no. Lose my mind if you said no. <laughs> Glad you agree. I and I would agree too. In fact, if Utah wins in convincing fashion at Arizona and Oregon does the same at Arizona State, I think they both should jump up above Alabama if they win in convincing fashion. Right, it, I agree. It has to be not just if they win, but how they win. If they want to jump. If they want to leapfrog somebody and leapfrog enough, it's got to be how they win. It's got to be dominating. Here's, excuse me, here's my other problem here, Eric. Bama, for example, if LSU makes it all the way to the championship game, you and if Penn State were to lose to Ohio State, right, but then Alabama loses to Auburn on the final game of the year. Or excuse me, if Alabama beats Auburn on the final game of the year and gets in despite not being in the conference championship because they wouldn't because LSU would win out. Do you have a complaint there? A a non-conference champion in the 14 playoff? It's happened before. I didn't like it then. I don't like it. Me neither. I wouldn't like it again this, so you're telling this time me, yeah. around. And, and so people who disagree are telling us that, hey, an 11 or a 12-1 Utah Pac-12 champion team should not be above Alabama. Even though the that Utah team won the Pac-12 championship and Alabama did not even get to their championship game. Doesn't make any sense to me. At all. It bothers me a lot. I'm just, I'm going to point that out. Uh, Hey, I've been talking to Maggie Basketball, 8250 winners over UTSA Roadrunners. What, uh, you know, I I want you to play devil's advocate. Tell me what you didn't like last night. What did I not like last night? Huh. Uh, Turnovers early. It was a little sloppy. Um... I think it's maybe a case of being a little casual, which is easy to do when uh, you're better than your opponent. Uh, the The early runs, or at least the, the run that they did allow uh, UTSA to get going on in the first half, early in the first half, a little disconcerting. 
But, I mean, there's a lot to like about what went, how that game went down. Aggressive play, very active on the boards, slinging the ball around. Um, just the way they executed plays. Not, not a whole lot for me to complain about. But there were some times where maybe it was a little sloppy, yeah. at least earlier on. Turnovers and then have they, been an issue. They got got it dialed in a little bit more. For the second game in a row, they turned over the ball fifth or they uh, ten plus times. This one was sixteen. The other night was fifteen. And some of them are really bad turnovers, just mishandling the ball or bad passes. Kuba can't catch at times. <laughs> I mean, there's just, there's just some bad turnovers, uh, and that'd be my biggest complaint. Coach Smith will probably have a few more. Uh, he wasn't overall pleased with some things going on, so he'll, I'm sure he'll uh, have a, a couple of uh, of uh, complaints uh, to this team come today, this morning or this afternoon on film. But uh, again, 82-50 winner. I mean, look, they, I mean, you see St. Mary's lose, LSU lose, you see. You know, and then you see this Utah State team just straddle teams one after the other. And I mean, we'll see some good competition this weekend. LSU in North Texas, St. Mary's next Friday. And we'll, we'll kind of get a better look at what this team is. Hey, uh, I'm, a lot of attention about the play of Justin Bean and Diogo Brito. Mm-hmm. Sam Merrill was fantastic from beyond the arc. How about Cuba? Uh, yeah. His best game yeah, in an Aggie by uniform. Far, by far. I mean, it, it probably helped that he had family in the stands. She did, but um, he seems to be getting a little bit more comfortable with his role and how he can contribute to the team. Um, there were some a couple of plays there, just kind of tossed it up near the rim, maybe not really close to the rim, and because he's so long, he's able to still snag it and uh, get it in there. So uh, it was fun to see him coming along a little bit more. Yeah, he could stand to be a little more physical, but based on his build and his size, he's not going to be real physical. But um, I, I liked his play and how he is coming along this season so far. Yeah, Kuba's been really good. He's only going to get better. Still needs to put some meat on his bones. Needs to eat, go to Mickey D's, and put on a few pounds. But uh, no, I, I, I think he's been really good. Porter's been awesome, by the way, as a point guard. I feel like he's made leaps and bounds from where he was last year to this year. He's He's been really good. Well, he wasn't bad last year. I mean, he wasn't the starter at the beginning of the year, remember? He didn't become the starter until halfway through the season. And when he did come in, things really solidified, but he was more managing the game, if that makes sense. Uh, I think now he has a more important role. I don't know if that's the right way to say that, but he has a role where he can be involved offensively and and do some things where he's not just managing the game and getting it to the quote-unquote stars. It's he's a part of what's happening there and and um, participating in a lot of other ways too. But I I really like how he has a command of what's supposed to be going on the offense. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now, Fonzo, we understand. No, we you and I both spoke about him very highly. He's been really, really good as of late as well. Uh, he's been actually good all year. Um, I think coach has a lot of trust in him. He's going to be playing a lot of heavy minutes here. Uh, throughout the course of the season. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, we are going to get into our stat and our player. Uh, by the way, really quickly, USU Football has uh, put out on Twitter that there is a flash sale alert starting at midnight through Wednesday for a special offer for Utah State, Boise State. They might have been listening to our show. Look at that. 
How about that? Eric France and Ajay Salves in Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Home. Stop it. Wow, it's going back a ways. <laughs> back in Eric's first high school dance. <laughs> <laughs> Eric France oh, and RJ Sops in the full corporate. <laughs> 550 time. We're about to wrap this baby up. Call it a night. Uh, I've got to take our second break, too. Oops. Uh, hey, great interaction online, oh, on, the, on Twitter. Thank you. Thank great you. Phone thank calls. you. It's been a lot of listeners. fun today. Yeah, that's been a, that was one of the quickest hours I've seen. Since I've been doing right, this radio show, we we want your feedback. Yeah, it, the show's about you. This it, is not about us just standing yeah. here and being blowhards. <laughs> we want to no. get your reactions to it what's going on. It means more to us that you call in and listen in and, and share your opinion because your opinion matters. Ours is just opinion. That's all it is. Hey, you saw a tweet from Stuart Mandel on this. Did you? Do you still have that by chance? Yeah. So, college football playoff committee, after they release their rankings, they do a teleconference with some members of the media. And Stuart Mandel said at the start of the teleconference, Rob Mullins indicates there was a lot of discussion about Alabama versus Oregon for number five. And you know what? It's I think it's a it's appropriate that Alabama is still number five. They still won their game. They shouldn't be punished because Tua got hurt. They get punished when they lose. So I would agree. It's not about potential. It's not about what's to come for these teams. It's about what have you done to this point. So I think they got it right. As do I. As do I. One through seven don't change in the college football playoff rankings. All right, Eric, it's time to give our player and stat of the week. Let's start with our stat. Do you have yours? All right, my stat. So there were some pretty interesting college football games over the weekend. Yeah. Oklahoma was at Baylor. Baylor was undefeated at that point, a big Big 12 showdown. Oklahoma was down 21 points at halftime. They overcame that deficit to win, and that is the largest deficit overcome to defeat an FBS team that entered the game 9-0 or better since NCAA classification began in 1937. (laughs) The previous record was 17 points. USC did that against 9-0 Notre Dame back in 1964. And Nevada did that against Boise State, who was 10-0 at the time, in 2010. Ooh. That's not too shabby. That's okay. That's good stuff. Here's my stat. Uh... I used to be a big 49ers fan back in the day, right? Jimmy Garoppolo joins Joe Montana and Steve Young as the only 49ers quarterback to throw for 400 yards and four TDs in a game. Prior to that, uh, Jimmy doing it, the last time it was done by a quarterback from San Francisco was Young in 1993. Holy cow. And the Tom Brady stat, by the way, in the 317 starts that includes regular season and playoff games, Sunday afternoon was the first time that another player had more touchdown passes than Tom Brady in a game. <laughs> Julian Elman had one. Tom Brady had zero. He had nil. Uh, that's funny. It's not funny. Uh, who's your player of the week? So my player of the week is actually kind of a hole. You know, I actually went back and watched that Skyview game, that dominating win. That defense is mean. 
They are brutal, dude. There's like no mercy. And I know they got the Dixie got 21 on them, but that was a hard 21 points to get. This Skyview defense deserves just as much credit as the offense has been getting, if not more. Incredible defense. So I want to give a shout-out to the Skyview Bobcats defense as a whole. I like that. That's a good call because they really showed out in that second half. Because Dixie's supposed to light the scoreboard by 40-plus points a game, right? Yes, and they, they held them out. They didn't score anything in the second half. Yeah. Uh, for me, I really struggled. Do I choose Eric Munoz or Dominic Eberle? Um, because they both had great performances on Saturday to help Utah State to their win over the Cowboys. Ultimately, I went with Dominant Eberle, and here's why. He was 4 for 5 for his field goals. He was perfect at his PATs, accounting for 14 points. He scored 12 straight. But here's what really made him stand out for me. He set a new Mountain West record for made field goals, and he surpassed Brad Bond for the, uh, the school record at Utah State. He has been outstanding he deserves to be the my player of the week. We gotta take. A, we're actually gonna call the show here. We're gonna run our three commercial breaks right into the uh, top of the hour. It's been Eric France and Andre Salison. We'll see you tomorrow. It's an in the know on the Boise State Broncos. Don't forget BJ Reigns of the Idaho uh, Press is gonna join us. He's also a college men's top twenty-five voter from the AP Bowl. So we'll ask him about USU men's basketball. Well, again, that's Eric France. I'm Andre Salison. Thanks for tuning in on the Full Court Press on 106 on FM thirteen ninety AM. The Fan. Eric France and Andre Salison here on the Full Court Press. Don't forget, you can go onto our podcast platform. Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, type in the Full Court Press, Eric's name, my name, and listen to any of the shows from today or yesterday. We'll see you tomorrow.